The prophets spoke out in the Old Testament to call the people into right relationship with God. That message was powerful and changed the world at that time. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. We're starting a new series called Minor Prophets, Major Messages. The message of the prophets speaks into our lives today just as strong. They are words of encouragement, direction, challenge that can change our hearts and fill our minds with unshakable hope. Enjoy the message. All right, good morning. And Talofa Lava, I uh, bring greetings from uh, Samoa, where a team of myself and nine others from here just arrived back after a week uh, spent there in the beautiful island of Samoa. And so, uh, wow, it's uh, kind of weird being back and <laughs> the time change and all that. So uh, you just be praying for this guy up here. And, and just let's give it up for Aaron and the worship team. And uh, I, I can't get into it just yet, but I'll tell you this. For those of you that know Bobby, it was absolutely amazing to see Bobby up here leading or being a part of worship. Oh, God is so good. I, uh, I'm excited to uh, bring to you the message, the third message in a series that we've entitled Minor Prophets with uh, Major Messages. So um, before uh, I get uh, going in that message, I just ask if we could bow our heads and we're going to ask God to continue to be in our presence. Lord, um, I thank you. I thank you for many reasons this morning, and you know my heart and and what's on it, and uh, just, just, just grateful, God, that uh, being back here and, and just seeing so many happy faces and familiar faces, and God, we, um, we come expecting to hear from our Heavenly Father today on this wonderful Father's Day, and we thank you, God, that um, we have this book on our phones or in our hands that is life-changing, and I am praying as, as we open it up today that, um, that you will speak to us. God, I pray that um, in my weakness, uh, you will be strong. And I pray, God, that uh, as we delve into these clean pages, um, that they will become dirty and familiar to us, God. We love you and we thank you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. So today, the prophet of the day is going to be Micah. Can you say Micah? Micah. Now I have to get this out of the way really quick, but I'm for Micah. You could write it off as jet log. Micah, if you could uh, open up your Bibles there uh, to Micah, and if you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand. These fine gentlemen are going to make their way down, and uh, we're going to get into God's Word, and uh, it's in the uh, Old Testament here towards the back, uh, the, towards the end of the Old Testament, Micah, and right out the gate, um, I want us to read uh, Micah 1, 1. The Word of the Lord came to Micah. Uh, Morasheth during the, re the, the reign of uh, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, the vision he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. And then in verse two, it says, hear, 
You, O uh, peoples, all of you, listen, uh, earth and all will live in it. The sovereign Lord may, be, uh, may bear witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. Now, that might not mean a whole lot to you as we sit here in 2019, but the first part of this message is I want to lay the foundation of Micah. And again, the very first week when I preached, I, I told you that there's tri- 12 minor prophets, and some con- commentaries call them the clean pages because they're part of the Bible that most people don't read. And uh, yet, even though these minor, uh, they're called minor prophets, they've got major messages for our life. Amen? And as Pastor John shared last week, and I shared the week before on the life of, Na- uh, of, of um, Jonah, God has something to say to us. But most of these prophets, uh, well, not most of them, all of them had the same message. Uh, they heard and they had a special insight into God's heart, and they were to give God's message to God's people. And I told you the difference between a priest and a prophet is a, pro- a prophet speaks on behalf of God to the people. A priest speaks on behalf of the people to God. All right, and so this is a crazy time in in, in God's people's history. And so he was really trying to go in there and speak to his people and say, you need to wake up. And so he would use these men. And I think it's so applicable to today because if you look around, we live in craziness too. We live in a crazy time. And I don't think we have the corner mark on crazy, but it's crazy for us. And so God is concerned. And I believe that God's concerned about America because our foundation was built on this book. And yet I believe we've turned our back in many ways to God. And so we've, we, you know, in some ways, I'm not calling myself, you know, matching myself up with this guy, or, but I would just say this, the preachers of today can be somewhat prophetic, amen, and their job is simply to say, all right, God, what is it that you want said to your people? And yet I don't have any special insight. I'm only reading the very words that you have, Amen. And so we together are hearing from God and having hope hopefully poured into our lives. So the background is this, that Micah was a minor prophet and he was a contemporary of what we would call a major prophet named Isaiah. Raise your hand if you've ever heard the name Isaiah. Okay, a lot of you guys have heard it. Isaiah's the big guy, okay? It's kind of like he was the Billy Graham and I'm just the little Micah. But, 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 But he had a word from God to the same people that Isaiah was speaking to. You see, uh, there were the, the, the kingdom was divided into the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. Right here in the opening verse, you, you hear, see the word Samaria, which is the capital of the northern kingdom, Israel. Then you see also Jerusalem is talked about, which is the capital of the southern kingdom, Judah. And then you also see the very first words here at the beginning, the word of the Lord. So the things that we are going to hear and see today are God's word. And not only did God's word impact the lives of the people 3,000 years ago, but they impact our lives today. I, I love Micah. As I was studying Micah very far, very far away this time and a little folly in Samoa, I just, I walked out of my folly one day and and, and Pastor Greg was on this trip too. And I just said, Greg, I love Micah. I, I forgot about Micah. 
And, and I love his heart. And, and it doesn't mean I don't love the other prophets, but Micah was just kind of a, just kind of a humble servant of God. He was a very simple man. He came from a village approximately 25 miles southwest of Jerusalem. Isaiah was the big city guy. Micah was just the guy out in the boonies. He was the countryman, the simple living kind of guy. He lived in the fields and the hills. One commentator said this, he may have been a simple countryman, but his message came from the throne of God. Is that awesome? He may have been a simple countryman, but his message came from the throne of Almighty God. But his heart would break. I think that's maybe where I connected with him. Because here's this guy that was just an ordinary guy. And maybe you could connect with ordinary. A simple guy that loved God. But as he looked out amongst his fellow friends, his heart would break because of the pain that he saw and the hurt that he smelled and heard every day would not only consume his thoughts, but listen, it would break his heart. And I'd like to pause right here and ask you, can you relate? As you watch the evening news, as you listen to your friends around a coffee as you drive down the street, does your heart break for the pain that you see? Does your heart break for the things that, that break the heart of God? It, it truly saddens me. And, and honestly, I, I, I could not say that as a young preacher at 20. I, I couldn't say it at 30, but boy, maybe it's age or maybe it's just getting harder, but my heart breaks all the time. For the heartbreak that I see on a daily basis. And yet, it's not new. It's Micah. His heart broke for his people because why? They were far from God. They were far from God's word and his truth. The other thing I like about Micah as I was reading is that Micah was very courageous. Being a, a, a normal guy that, that didn't have much about him, it would be crazy to think about this. I mean, he went before the high leaders, the high authorities, the people that had all the power. He was going to them on behalf of God. You can't tell me that that's crazy. That'd be like me talking to you, quote unquote, if you think you're an ordinary just Christ follower, saying, hey, I want you to go to downtown and talk to the mayor about his unrighteousness. I want you to go to the Senate and tell them that they're not following the ways of God. Here's this simple countryman that has been called out of the field to represent God in a mighty way. And so I love this man because he was courageous. He didn't say, no, God. His heart broke 
And you say, Pastor, you keep saying that. What, what do you mean? And again, we're just going to just take little, little looks. But you can read the entire book of Micah probably in 15 minutes. And I encourage you to do it this week. But look at verse 8 of chapter 1 of Micah. It says, because of this, I will weep and wail. Why? If you read everything before it, he's seen the destruction that's happening before his very eyes. Because of this, I will weep and wail. I will go about barefoot and what? Naked. I will howl like a jackal and moan like an owl. Church, you can't tell me that this pain wasn't deep that this pain wasn't real, that this heartbreak wasn't affecting this man to the point where he just wanted to throw off his clothes and cry on behalf of these people. And perhaps that's where I connect with this guy. So simple, so courageous so vulnerable and so real. Reminds me of the words in Psalms, Psalms 119, if you'd like to turn there. Love hearing those Bible pages turn. Psalms 119, 136. You know David, you know his ups, you know his downs. And here he writes, streams of tears flow from my eyes for your law is not what? Obeyed. Streams of tears flow from my my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. And and, and, and these just aren't the only words. You look at Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1. Jeremiah says, Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the the slain of my people. All of these passages have one thing in common. They see the, the disconnect between God and his people. And it's not because God doesn't desire a relationship, is it? It's because people have gotten so consumed with themselves and their ways and their thoughts and so comfortable that they've said, I don't need you, God. Thank you for setting me up, but I'm going to kind of go on now from here. It's like that child that we raise up and all of a sudden just disappears because they think they know it all and that they don't need you. And and this is what's happening with with Isaiah. And this is what's happening with David's words and, and Jeremiah's words. And this is where Micah is. Their hearts are broken for the disconnect. His fellow Jews were living in hopelessness, pain, sin, and what I would call lifeless religion. Lifeless religion. Do I need to ask the next question? Is it possible that this exists today in 2019? And if I could peel the onion back a little bit further, is it possible that exists right here, right now, in these purple chairs, up on this stage. And with that, 
may I, as a bonus, ask you this question. Not out of guilt, not out of shame, just out of just true, true sincerity. Does your heart break? Does your heart break for the things that breaks the heart of God? Does your heart break for West Hills and the people that have chosen to turn their back from God? Does it break for the San Fernando Valley, for Southern California, for California, for the United States? And does your heart break for the world? And as I was walking through this and I just kept reading and reading, I'm like, what, what brought the tears? What, what really jacked Micah up? What really caused him to want to scream and moan and throw his clothes off before the Lord? And, and as I kept reading, and, and you do the same thing, read the book over and over again this week. And just let me tell you, Mike, Micah's just like out there. It's, not, it's probably like how my sermons are. Maybe that's why I like Micah. Because when you read the book of Micah, it's like he's going one way one second, then another way another second, then he's going another way another second. And you read commentaries, they're like, he's just kind of shooting all kinds of places at all kinds of places. It's not all like pretty. That's my revelation right now. That's why I like him, because he's weird. But at the end of the day, when you read it, you see that Micah's heart breaks for two reasons. One is people are disrespecting and dishonoring God. And he doesn't like that. He's seen that. And he's like, how in the world could you treat them like that? Just like you and I would maybe see a child in a market with what you would perceive to be wonderful parents. And there's this kid just throwing fits and acting crazy. And you're like, what are you doing? How can you be treating your parents like that? Micah's maybe like, I just, it makes me sick that people are not honoring and worshiping God. And perhaps another part of his heartbreak was this, the destruction that came as people were engulfed in sin. And he would sit there probably going, I see your pain, but it could have been avoided. And again, the question would be, could this be the same reasons why our heart would break today? Matthew Henry, a, a Bible commentator, says this, the sin of sinners are the sorrows of the saints. We must mourn for the things we cannot mend. The sin of sinners are the sorrows of the saints. We must mourn for the things we cannot mend. You see, Micah saw pain and he preached to it with a broken heart. Many times I've been asked, and even this week in Samoa at a pastor's conference, how do you approach preaching? My teammates, my staff know this. I say this all the time. I preach to pain every Sunday. I preach to pain every Sunday. Because Monday through Saturday, I hear it. 
I experience it. And that's where Micah was. He was preaching to pain. And of course, I'm sitting in this little folly studying this week, this, and I'm thinking about the United States and our own, our own stuff. And I'm thinking about, can I just shoot really straight? I'm just thinking about our, our city. Have you, have you seen how much West Hills have, has changed just in the last two years? I see heads like going, it, it, church, it's crazy. The homelessness that exists within one minute of this campus. Just make a right on Shoop right here. And there's a whole entire encampment that lives there. And we're not talking, we're talking 20-year-olds. And just the heartbreak, I'm driving home for the first time last night down Shoop, and there's a bunch of teenagers standing at the corner. I think it's Sadakoy and Shoop, and there's a bunch of candles. And this morning I stopped and I read the poster, and I guess some young lady's life passed right there on that corner. I, I don't know all the details, but I'm just thinking heartbreak, heartbreak, heartbreak. And please hear me, I don't want to be all bah humbug, because there's a lot of good stuff too, amen? But sometimes if we, the church, stick our head in the sand... And just wait for Jesus to come back because we've bought the ticket to heaven. We are missing the boat. I spent 20 plus hours on airplanes this week. And I heard the same message over and over again as we're ready to go up in the air. And it's, hey, in case of an accident, in case of uh, lack of oxygen, mask will be coming down. But what you need to do is first put the mask on yourself and then take care of the other person. If you are sitting here as a Christ follower, that mask has been put on. You are saved. You are forgiven. The blood of Jesus is good enough for you. You can walk in new life and heaven is yours. But just because you have the mask doesn't mean now that you don't need to take care of the person sitting next to you. And this is where Micah is. And you know what scares me? I've just given you the foundation for this book. And I've got 13 minutes and 32 seconds left. (laughs) So I knew that. And that's why we're not reading this whole book. I'm just going to bring you to one verse for the rest of this message. And this one verse is kind of one of those verses that if you could do a top 10 list of verses, I believe this verse is one of the verses that sums up this entire book. And it's found in this little minor prophet called Micah. Ready? Let's go to chapter six. The pages are turning. Now, before I get to this verse, I need to set it up right because if we take things out of context, we're messing it up. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up and plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is is lodging, lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? 
How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you out of Egypt and I redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you and Aaron and Miriam. My people remember. And he goes on and on and on to remind them of all that he has done. In verse six, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sins of my soul? Now here's the verse. Underline it. Memorize it. Live it. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. He said, you guys are so far from God. You're so stuck in yourselves. Don't you remember all these things that God has done for you? And the people will respond with this. Oh, it's all about sacrifices. It's all about festivals. It's all about a burnt offering. It's all about a temple worship. It's all about all these religious things. And Micah says, no, no, no. God is not about religion. He's about relationship. It's not about the thousands of rams that you can bring. It's not about the tens of thousands of ounces of oils that you can bring. It's not about the songs that you sing. It's not about the offerings that you give. It's not about the life groups that you attend. It's not about all that stuff. It's about a relationship with God. And you guys are missing the boat, he says. Not us. Churches next door and down the street. But in this case, he's talking to his people and saying, guys, 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 you've got confused. You're into all these rituals and you've missed the God in whom you're quote unquote doing all these things for. God would rather have none of that and have your heart than all of that and not your heart. Push fast forward 2019. Can't the same be said today? My friends, it's easy to get caught up in all the stuff of church. And please hear me. The church is not bad. Jesus Christ died for the church and he's coming back for his bride. We need each other. I need you. But more than we need each other, we need him. I need him. And this is what Mike is saying. And so let's, let's, unpackage, let's unpackage this verse just a little bit. At the very bottom of my Bible, in verse 8, it says, He has shown you, in some versions it says, O man, and mine it says, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? What does he want of you? And I would say this is true for us today in 2019, to act justly. Let's write that down, to act justly. A quote uh, that I came across this week, it says, a man who has no sense of justice is utterly lost to all good influence. And I believe that. 
If we have no compass that's going to guide us and direct us, then we are lost. And let me just say, you and I coming up with that moral compass is bad news. It sounds good, doesn't it? If it feels good, do it, right? That's the moral compass of today. If I like it, then it's right. We call that relativism, don't we? Have you ever heard that term relativism? Relativism says this, there is no such thing as absolute truth, right? And so no wonder our judicial system's all jacked up because we can make one decision on a case in Los Angeles one way and then you can go up in San Francisco with the same case and they can say and come to a conclusion of something entirely different. Why? Because there's no moral compass. There's no standard of truth. There's no dictation of what is right and wrong. We have walked far away from this book. And so we can all just decide depending on how we woke up that day, what's right and what's wrong. And tolerance sounds beautiful. It's like hold hands and sing kumbaya because we can all just be and do whatever we want. And I would just say, how's that working? And I will answer it this way. Turn on the news. Look at your neighborhood. Look at your city. Look at your marriage. Look at how that's working for us to be driven by our ways and not God's ways. And so when he says this, act justly, he is saying act upright and act fair. And you say, where is that? Right here. This book is a compass for our lives. This book tells us what's right and wrong. Oh, pastor, it's outdated. Baloney. This is God's word. I don't care if you don't like it. I don't like some passages in there. I want God to just say one day, just for all of us, just, you can just pick three verses you could take out. <laughs> Let's update this thing for 2009. You just pick three verses. I know the rest, some of you are going to think for the rest of the sermon, what are those three verses? Some of you already know what those three verses are because you've done it. <laughs> it's not about what I feel. Relativism is a joke. There's no such thing as absolute truth is an absolute truth statement. I love that when I talk to a true relativist and they always go, something can't both be right and wrong. God can't exist and not exist. There's a thing called reality. And I think what's happened in our marriages, what's happened in our parenting, what's happened in our schools, what's happened in the workplace, what's happened in our cities, what's happened in our states and world is a direct result of us saying, okay, God, thank you for that, but we've got it figured out. It's 2019. Micah's words would be relevant for today that we need to act justly. I hate that these messages are recorded sometimes, but whatever. Relativism is just pure evil. Because it's not about us. It's about him. (sighs) 
to each his own is not the way to do life. Micah's audience was ignoring God's truth. And I think it's something that I could do in my own life today as a pastor and just as a human being. And God is calling me back to acting justly. And he's calling you to that. We create our own culture at home. We create our own culture at our school. We create our own culture at the church. We create our own culture as society. And uh, I was asked to speak at a pastor's conference in Samoa. So I would, I'd leave the village about 6.15 in the morning and make that hour drive to Apia. And about 30 pastors and their wives, so it was about 50 to 60 people. And, and I remember... I mean, I've been there 10 times, so I felt like I'd earned the right to say this, but here I'm standing before all these preachers. And I address this very topic. I love culture in Samoa. I love the kava ceremonies and the fia fia, and I love the, you know, there's just something about the high chief and the fifiao and the structure and the respect and, and just you see a chicken running around, you're eating it later that night and just picking fruit off the trees and just, just all that kind of stuff. We're in the lava lava and all. I love all that, but I stood in front of these people because as much as there's some beautiful things about the culture of Samoa, there's some really bad things. And I say this knowing that there's a lot of pastors there that say that they listen to my sermons every week. So, yep, I know this. But here's the reality. I told them, I said, the culture of this is more important than the culture that we're sitting in. And part of Samoa's problem that's breaking my heart is being there for the last 13 years. I have seen that country literally turn around the wrong direction. And I said, guys, you better watch out or you're that boiling frog. The heat is just being on a little bit, but you don't realize what's going on here. And I would say the same to us. We've got to make sure this culture is more important than our culture. Act justly. Then he says what? Love mercy. Don't, don't just show mercy. Don't just show compassion. Love it. Ah, I hate that. It's just like act justly. You don't just have to know what's right and wrong. You have to do it. Pfft. Hate those verbs. And now he's saying act, not, not, just, not just be compassionate, not just show mercy, but love it. And so when people don't act justly, God is saying you as a Christ follower, got to show mercy. No, God, that's for him and her, not me. Not in this situation. God says, oh yeah, well, just let me remind you of the cross. And, and on that cross, a lot of mercy was shown, wasn't it? You and I did not deserve Jesus dying for our sins. We're the ones that committed the sins. We're the ones that did the penalty. We're the ones that did the crime. We should be doing the time. But God's mercy sent Jesus Christ to the cross. And Jesus Christ's mercy and love for us kept himself there and died a horrific death, but overcame it three days later. Love mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve, right? I am. Um, I had a 15-passenger van that I was driving the team in. And uh, it's interesting because the wheel's on the other side and you drive on the other side and it's a, it's a stick shift. And I had that growing up, but man, the release of this clutch was all the way up here. And man, 
whew, those knees just don't go that high. And so that was fun driving around. And we're on our last day, and, and uh, we're going to go to the airport. So we're downtown up here. Some people did some shopping. We're going to drive about an hour and 15 minutes to the airport. Um, Josh Borkin, who's an elder here, um, got in the front seat, and he's just like, I'm just not feeling good. And, and I need to say this. Um, Josh had a, a, a kind of a bad accident during this trip. And uh, where he slipped and fell in a, a, a pool of water that we were near the ocean, just trying to get cleansed because we didn't have any water in, the, in, in our um, village for that day. And, and I mean, it was a bad spill. And he got really scraped up bad. And, and uh, his hip got a little scrape on it. And so he was a trooper. This was early in the trip. And so, you know, the doctors were taking care of him throughout the trip. And this last day on the way, he goes, just if he goes, I feel like throwing up. I said, well, you just let me know and I'll pull over the second you're not feeling good. So we're about two minutes in this trip and he goes, pull over. So I'm driving on the wrong side of the road, which is the right side there. And I just, he just says now, and I pull over and uh, stop kind of right there in traffic and they're all honking in this. And he goes out and he's throwing up and I'm just staying right there. And, and Katie's kind of waving people around and this and that. And eventually some people with Josh, so I pull around the corner and I park. And about five minutes later, one of our team members from Hawaii who was born in Samoa comes up to me. He goes, Rod, he goes, we dodged that one. And I'm like, what? He goes, didn't you see me talking to the cop for the last five minutes? And I'm like, no. He goes, yeah, he was gonna, he was gonna give you a ticket and was even thinking about arresting you. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, you're not supposed to stop where you stopped and it backed up traffic. And I said, but the guy's thrown up. And he goes, he didn't care. But he goes, you know what, as we got to talking, I went to school with this guy in Samoa and I told him everything that's going on and he let you go. That's mercy, isn't it? I want to share something. You need to be praying for Josh. He is not doing well. Um, we got off the plane in Hawaii and we went to the emergency hospital for about six hours. We didn't even think he and I were going to get back on the plane a lot of details there, but um, he got back on the plane and we got landed here and he's back in the hospital over at Kaiser. So please be praying for Josh. Um, he's got some kind of infection from all this that happened and it's, yeah. So please be praying for that guy. God asks us to act justly and to love mercy. And church, as our world is spiraling down and away from this book. We could shout and scream and just be a bunch of jerks that say, that's wrong and this is right and all that. Even in the Old Testament, God says, love mercy. Show compassion and come alongside people and model truth in their life and bring hope to them through the way in which you live your life. Amen? Ephesians chapter two is one of my favorite books. In Ephesians chapter two, verse one says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rulers and the kingdoms of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. But then you get to verse four. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in what? Mercy made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 
You see, God does not ask us to do or be anything that he isn't himself. My friends, how do we live life? We act justly. We love mercy. And then the last thing he encourages us to walk humbly. Humility, one of the best definitions I've ever heard of humility is seeing ourselves as God sees us. So we don't think of ourselves as just trash and less than, but we don't think ourselves as king of the worlds above God. Humility is seeing ourselves as God sees us. And we need to walk humbly. And again, there's that stinking verb. It doesn't mean just, oh, be humble when you're praying and be humble as you're reading your Bible. But as you walk, everywhere you and I go, humility must follow. And can you imagine how different fathers on Father's Day we would be as fathers if we acted justly? If we loved mercy? And we walked humbly with our God. Could you imagine the culture in our homes and how it would change and how that would impact the cultures from there on out? The ripple effect. But instead, oftentimes, dads were some of the most arrogant, self-righteous, prideful people that there are. And yet one of the best things that we could ever do for ourselves is to walk humbly before God. Anything good that comes out of any one of our lives is not because of us, but because of the God that is in us. And to him be the glory. We experienced humble all week. We arrived at a village up in the mountains about 15 minutes off the street to a village where they literally tore down their own trees and their plants and whatever else they needed to do. And they built us nine falles just for that week. And each of them was all decorated and beautiful. And maybe at some point I'll show it to you. And the little thin mattresses that we laid on were their mattresses that we got to sleep on. And they slept on the floor, I'm sure, that week. And they killed their pigs. I think 13 of them it took. And that's a lot of pigs. And their chickens. And their water. And they humbly served us all week long. West Valley, how are we doing in humbly living in our community? Walking humbly. There's a lot to chew on in just this one verse, amen? But I hope it's encouraging. I hope it's inspiring. I hope it leaves you wanting to be the very thing that Micah was calling the people to. And more importantly, what God is calling us to. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing. And God, help us to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly. And with that, God, we do pray for our brother Josh 
that even as he lays in the hospital right now, that you would be healing his body and be with his family. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. You forget all my rebellions.